Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tavar Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. Now, let's start the show. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bike Life Podcast. And I'm super excited today because this is going to be lots of fun. You're going to learn a lot. And we have an amazing guest with us whose name is Harry Shepard. And Harry Shepard is in environmental campaigning. He's an adventurist and he's always on his bike and he calls the outdoors his home, which I love. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Harry. Thank you for having me. Uh, Very happy to be here. I appreciate you taking some time to share your story with us. I know you've done some super interesting projects. And of course, there are a lot of people in our community that are really passionate about um, being a part of the solutions and creating a healthy planet. So I feel like this is very applicable to um, to our audience and of course, to our community. So we appreciate you bringing your knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, cycling is one, one of the answers to so many problems we have out there. So very happy to talk about it um, whenever I can. I love that. And so, like, when did you get into the environmental side of studying? Like, has that always been a passion for you? I mean, I grew up in in the Lake District. I was very fortunate to grow up uh, with the outdoors on on my doorstep. Um, and so, growing up in a place where you know you're surrounded by mountains, lakes, rivers, it's all there. It's all on your doorstep. It's it's part of you. And and I guess that that really instills in you the the will and the the desire to to help protect that in in, in any way you can. Um, and I guess growing up with all of that on your doorstep as well, really gives you that sense of adventure as well. So combining those two things just sort of felt like a a natural way I was going to not only um, work in my career, but really live my life in a way. Yeah. So what a beautiful way to grow up. So nature was just, it was a second home to you from the time that you were little. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was also fortunate to, to grow up with my parents taking, taking me out on adventures, you know, climbing mountains, going on wilderness canoeing trips, um, and absolutely getting out on the bike when, whenever possible. Um, I think the first cycling trip I did, um, I was about five or six years old and mum and dad took me uh, along the Great Glen in Scotland, which is a, you know an 80 mile um, trip through the fantastic valleys in Scotland, seeing Scotland at its absolute finest. Um, and, you know, completing that kind of trip at, at such a young age kind of gives you that, uh, I guess, gives you that sense of adventure that you just kind of, you never want to stop doing that really. And, and for me, I suppose, uh, especially in, in, in the last 10 years, I mean, all of that kind of motivation has just uh, has just excelled really and, and and gone on a lot further and which leads me a little bit towards uh, towards what what I want to talk about today which let's get into it so tell us about how this this really fascinating journey began so i think i I've, I've mentioned the lake district i mean it's definitely it's a huge part of of who i am and and kind of where i came from and you know i'm very grateful for for having grown up there um but you know growing up in a beautiful place is 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 one thing but having amazing people around you is 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 the other part of the is the other part of the equation and um obviously i had my amazing family around me um during that time but i also grew up with some fantastic friends um and one friend in particular um stands out at niggy town and who i met when i was um i think around nine or ten years old for the first time 
And one of the things that, that Niggy really introduced me to was was cycling on, on a kind of different level, I suppose. Um, and we started going out on our mountain bikes and hitting the forest tracks and trails. And it really kind of, um, you know, took opened my eyes really in terms of in terms of cycling um, more more than being something that I would do casually, but, you know, really kind of get into and enjoy as a, as a, as a, as a passion. Um, and it wasn't just Niggy, his three brothers, the, the town and brothers, there were, there were four of them, all four boys, and all of them were massively into cycling. And, you know, as the years progressed, it really just became evident of the influence that they had, not only on me, but on on my friends, on other friends, other people in the town in which we grew up. And, you know, there was these four boys, this cycling family, and they just had such a big impact on on the people around them. And that was that was brilliant. It was it was great motivation to be around um, people who are passionate about cycling. Mm-hmm, definitely. And then um, in 2010, um, uh, just over 10 years ago now, um, tragedy struck, really. Um, Niggy and his oldest brother, Christian, were, were coming home um, from a ride. They're, they'd been out on their bikes in the Lake District and um, they were tragically killed in a, in a road traffic accident um, on their way home. Um, Niggy was only 21 years old. Christian was 29 years old. And it had obviously, you know, a huge um, ripple effect, not only for, for their close friends and family, but on the whole community, um, cyclists and non-cyclists alike. And, you know, for me personally, it was, you know, obviously an extremely traumatic event and something that that just at the time felt as though there was absolutely no hope of, of overcoming this. I mean, it was it was awful. Two brothers killed in the same accident um, with their whole lives ahead of them. I cannot possibly imagine how difficult that must have been. And so you, what do you do in a situation like that? I mean, I was at university at the time. I did manage to, to finish my degree and graduate. But, you know, how do, how do you begin to, to kind of piece life back together after something like that? And, you know, it goes back to this uh, this aspect of having close groups of friends and, and, and communities of people. And my uh, friend, Niggy's friends, my friendship group and, and Christian's friends, his friendship group kind of got together and people started having thinking about what we could do to to remember and celebrate the boys and you know there was only one thing we were going to do and that was to organize a, a cycling challenge um and so the team town end event was born um and the first event took place in uh 2011 only four months after the boys had passed away um and it was you know it kick-started um 10 years of team town and we've been doing this thing for 10 years and it's not only an opportunity to go cycling, but it, you know, it brings people together to remember these two boys and, and just reignites the, that, that sense of, of community and camaraderie that, that these boys had, this, this family had in, in, in terms of cycling, in terms of getting people outside and into the outdoors. And, you know, every year we've, we, we go back and people come back from all over the world to come and do Team Townend and, you know, they see each other, they see their friends and, you know, obviously have a few beers after, after cycling all day in the beautiful landscape, which is the Lake District. Yeah, that's a really beautiful way to honor them. And so last year, um, we've, as I said, we've been doing this for 10 years and last year was supposed to be the, the 10th Team Town End uh, uh, Challenge. Um, and we'd been planning this, this for, for a little while, looking to, to do, you know, something bigger and better than ever before because alongside that you know getting together and doing the riding and all of that we've been raising money for for road peace which is a ro- uh, a charity that campaigns for road safety um and we've raised you know towards a hundred thousand pounds um for this charity in 10 years um and we were hoping to kind of excel that uh, that fundraising mark for last year for the 10th 10th anniversary race um and 
alongside uh, the event, the 10th event, we were going to have you know, live music and, and different routes and, and really kind of expand the whole affair. Um, I thought I'd do something as a bit of a personal challenge alongside and had had the idea to, to ride across Europe um, from Portugal to Romania, um, setting off in, in March with the intention of being back um, in Cumbria in, in the Lake District um, by May for the, for the 10th Team Town and Challenge. And I suspect that there was some waylaying that happened in the midst of this wild year we're living. Yeah, I mean, you know, no one could have predicted what happened last year and certainly possibly in hindsight setting off on a trans-European cycling trip might not have been the most appropriate thing. But, you know, in all honesty, it was the absolute most appropriate thing to do. So I saw but you 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 set off in March, yes. and so that was just sort of at the beginning of the pandemic. Like yeah. nothing was locked down yet. Like there's no way you could have known what was coming. No, not at all. I mean, you know, in hindsight, everyone can look back and be like, "Oh, you know, what were you doing in March?" And you know, th- at the time, people yeah. people knew nothing. And you know, I was just like everyone else. Um, certain people might have said some, certain things uh, at the time, but you know, generally speaking, people didn't expect um, what happened to happen. Mm-hmm. So I set off, you know, with the with the knowledge that this thing was happening elsewhere in the world, but without thinking that it would, would actually affect me. And so I set off from Porto in, uh, in March um, uh, and enjoyed two weeks of absolutely spectacular riding through northern Portugal and Spain. Uh, plenty of mountains in northern Portugal. It's an absolutely brilliant landscape. Um, saw some amazing wildlife, slept in some beautiful places, camping out under the stars, you know. It was the absolute way to start the trip, um, straight into the mountains. And, you know, I had the, <laughs> I always, I was always thinking at the start, you know, I wasn't really fit. Um, I hadn't been training a great deal. I always just thought I'd just train on the way. Um, yeah. But I was always thinking that, you know, I'll have Niggy and Christina cheering me on from, from up there or, or probably more, more likely laughing at me struggle along the way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so you know, I, I set off on this trip and I started quite well and things were going, were going really well. I was really enjoying it. And then I got to Palencia in, in Spain and um, was very uh, fortunate to be invited to stay with uh, Fatima, who I met through Warm Showers. Um, it was mm-hmm. the first person I stayed with on Warm Showers on, on the trip. Um, and Fatima had this amazing little place in, in Palencia, um, a little permaculture farm where she was growing veg and she had workshops and things like this. And she was a really nice person and, you know, the kind of perfect host to meet on a, on a, on a, on a, on a trip and someone who, who really invited me into her home. And, and I had a really, really nice evening with Fatima. It was absolutely brilliant to meet her. Um, but as with, with all things, when you go on trips, you know, you're always meeting people and then you, and then you have to go to the next place. And, you know, you kind of yeah. have these, these, these fleeting, uh, meetings with people and then, and then it all kind of moves quite quickly and, and you go to the next place and that's that in a way, or, or, or so it would have seemed. Uh, how, how, when did you meet, um, Fatima along the trip? This was like week three. Yeah, week two? it was probably the end. Yeah. It's just, just after two weeks, I think it's probably about day sort of 15 or something like that. Um, or maybe day, okay. day 13, maybe I think it was probably. So it was, you know, just about two weeks into the trip. Um, and as okay. I say, it was the first person I stayed with on warm showers on the, on the trip. Um, most of the time I'd just been, I'd just been camping where I could find, yeah. find a nice spot to sleep. Um, but I was very, very, very welcome for the warm shower via warm showers. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So, and I, I'm imagining that, you know, we're now like into the third, you know, middle of March where things started to get a little hairy in our world. <laughs> yeah, they, they were starting to heat up and, 
you know, I was, I was actually quite reluctant to, to kind of, you know, tune in on my phone at the end of the day. Cause that's, you know, I was riding all day and riding across Portugal and Spain. And, you know, I wasn't checking the news. And then occasionally, you know, at the end of the day, I'd go, oh, go on, I'd, I'll read it. And then I, it, it didn't really read for very, uh, it wasn't very positive to kind of read the news and kind of see what was happening or seemingly happen. And, you know, at this point, I was just thinking, okay, I'm not going to be able to go to Italy. I'm not going to be able to possibly go to Romania. But, you know, I'll probably still be able to cycle home and I'll just have to miss that country and miss that town. And that kind yeah. of, that kind of, you know, again, in hindsight, was, was a little bit ludicrous, that kind of thinking. But, um, you know, like, we didn't know any better at the time. Um, definitely. And you definitely didn't. There's no way that you could have known. We've never lived through anything like no. our generation has not lived through anything like this before. There's no way that you could have known. And I understand that you, you know, you were sort of out of touch with what was happening in the world and you were safe because you were not really interacting with a whole lot of people. It was you and the wind in your face. And so, 100%. you know, you know, you, you can't look back and think anything differently because it was such an unusual time. Yeah, no, definitely. And also, you know, I was just enjoying myself. I was me on my bike mm -hmm. on, uh, traveling through beautiful landscapes. I mean, what else do you need? Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I did stay with Fatima and Fatima and I were talking about it and she was she was thinking, you know, where, what are you going to do? And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to go to the Picos. I'm going to go to the mountains north and just spend a bit more time in Spain. And, you know, I'll probably just see what happens. Um but even, you know, when Fatima and I were talking, we didn't know what was going to happen. So anyway, I left her and I, and I went up to, uh, to the Picos de Europa Mountains in, in northern Spain. Absolutely in, incredible, stunning landscape, just mountains in every direction. Um, beautiful, beautiful place. And I was so happy, happy there. But again, at that time, for those two or three days when I was traveling through the Picos, I was having to look at the news and really start. It was really starting to hit home that, that things were really going to change. Um, and I kind of needed to find a plan pretty quickly and so it came to that Saturday or, or I think it was a Saturday evening and you know I'd, I'd, I'd the next day Spain was going into lockdown it was all quite last minute in Spain that it was going to go into lockdown there was only about one one day's notice um, and I was up in northern Spain and, and trying to figure out what to do and you know didn't really have a plan and was thinking I'd probably end up trying to get to Santander and get a ferry home and you know that would be the end of the trip and you know two weeks after this and after starting and that was the end of it all really. Mm. And then Fatima texts me and says, you know, what are you doing? What's your plan? And, and I said, like, oh, Fatima, great to hear from you. And she says, I've got two friends um, running a really cool uh, project over in Cantabria, um, which was a, the next province along from where I was. Um, she said, uh, they're very happy to have you for, for a little while if you want to go and stay for a few days and try and figure out a plan. And I was just like, this sounds, this sounds brilliant. She said, there's a cabin in the garden you can stay in uh, with its own little stove. And I was like, this sounds too good to be true. <laughs> and uh you know this chance meeting with fatima had led to this idea that i could go there for a few days and i just thought uh, you know i don't have any other any other plans i've got no other options in a way and i just thought let's go for it and i had about 140 uh, kilometers to get to, to this place um on that day of lockdown which was very nerve-wracking because at this point you know i didn't know mm. what lockdown meant i didn't know what covid meant no one really knew it knew anything um and it was all quite panicky and you know, as luck would have it, the weather started to come in in the afternoon um, and it didn't stop and it got torrential rain, torrential downpour. It was still early spring at this point, so it got dark around six o'clock. The journey, obviously, two or three punches on the journey. My my break, my back break went like, there was, mm. one, there was one point when I was trying to get to this place, I was on this back road, um, like a country lane, 
Uh, I just got a puncture. I'd fixed the puncture. I was going up this hill. I couldn't see anything. It was pitch black. The rain was coming down. And then all of a sudden, there was just this huge group of cows just walking down the road to me. <laughs> oh, my. With, with three, or four, three or four dogs just kind of leading the cows. No one was there. There was no, no farmer I could see. The, the dogs were just leading the cows, but it was just such a surreal moment. And I just had this kind of... I have this memory of that of just being like, what on earth is going on? You know, here I yeah, am. Yeah, like you were you were in wild times. <laughs> it just felt so strange. But anyway, I managed to get to this place and I got to 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 meet Kucho and Surya, Fatima's friends, uh, just before midnight, um, on the day of lockdown. And you know, I woke up the next day and was just in this beautiful, beautiful place. Um where there was, uh, you know, a permaculture project, um, growing fruit and veg, um, natural building projects, um, organic beekeeping. The bees arrived a couple of weeks after I was there, and I ended up staying there for several months. It was an absolute oasis, and you know, the best place to be locked down in Spain, in my opinion. Yeah, wow. So that must have been quite an adventure to get there. So when you got there, having no idea how long the lockdown was going to happen. I mean, did you plan to go back home or was you, did you just kind of like sit tight for a little while to wait and see what was going to progress? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was kind of in two minds at the start um, because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know who these people were. They didn't know who I was. They, they, you know, Fatima had vouched for me in a way. And I guess that was, that was, uh, you know, very nice of her to do that. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we hit it off from the start. They were brilliant people and um, there was so much to do there, so many different, you know, projects and things to get involved in. And, you know, I just, I like adapting to, to scenarios and situations and it just sort of felt like a really good fit. And ultimately I'd, I'd, I'd finished um, my previous contract at work um, before setting off on this trip. So I didn't really have anything desperate to get back to in the UK. So I, at that moment, I was thinking, oh, I'm just going to stay here for a little while and see how it pans out, see what the situation's like. And ultimately, after about a week or two, um, all of the um, travel out of Spain to get back to England stopped anyway. That was it. It was, you know, after that first mm. week of people trying to get home to places, basically, you know, all of the travel did just absolutely cease. And so after that point, I didn't really have a choice. Um, and a couple of weeks after that, after about a month there, I was starting to think, you know, when I leave here, I'm going to cycle out of here. It's no question I'm going to cycle out of here. I did. I came on this trip to do a big cycling trip and I'm going to do a big cycling trip. I might not get to do what I'd set out to do, but, you know, I am definitely set on on cycling out of here. That's what it's all about um, for me this year. And, um, and, you know, I was fortunate to be able to do that several months later. Now, let's take a moment to learn a little bit more about today's episode being brought to you by BikeFlights.com, a bicycle shipping service for cyclists. You'll enjoy fast delivery, great prices, and excellent service with every shipment. Select your shipment's delivery speed to suit your schedule and tap into their group buying power to get great rates. Throughout the shipping process, their support team, made up of fellow cyclists, works directly with their carrier's exclusive global operational team so that your shipment will arrive on time. Join the more than 700,000 cyclists who have used bikeflights.com to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today to find out more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. And so you spent four months with them. It's quite a long time. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So did you get involved? Like, were you working on projects with them? Like, yeah, I, so we, I'm I'm sure that knowing what your background is and what you were interested in and knowing that the outdoors felt like home for you, that must have been a great place for you to land. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like getting getting stuck into different things and learning about different projects. And, you know, this place is, their focus is natural building and, and, and living more sustainably. And, um, you know, it's been the family who set it up who were also also spent um those months there as well so there was this group of you know eight or nine of us spanning three or four different nationalities it was a it was a very odd little community that we'd formed um out of pure chance really um and we got and i got yeah we got we did so many different things i mean i think uh, the two highlights i guess were were kind of get the arrival of bees i think that was pretty amazing um mm and organic beekeeping as well. So I was learning a little bit about beekeeping and um, yeah, super interesting, very nerve wracking, but really interesting. The thing is with beekeeping, this is the one thing that one lesson you can take away from this is if you're, if you're looking after bees, you have to be extremely chilled out. You have to wear your suit and you have to be, you know, you have to be in the most Zen moment of your life because the bees can, can, can hear and, and, and react to your heart beating to your, they can sense your 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 stress level in a way, and so you're trying to be really really calm, but obviously you're <laughs> you're you're feeling extreme anxiety because the bees all around mm. you trying to sting you. So yeah, a little a little side story there, but just little things like that, like you know, learning about different different things like beekeeping, which I you know wouldn't normally probably have the chance to do. Um, uh, so yeah, it was great. It was really really interesting. The other thing that we did, the other big project, I guess, that we did when I was there was. We built a, a slip straw um, chicken house, so a big adobe clay mm. chicken house, um, which was, you know, a bit of a chicken hotel, really. It was a bit excessive, perhaps, for, <laughs> for 10 chickens. It. But, you know, when you've got time on your hands and a few people who are, who are keen to work outdoors, then, then why not go big and build a chicken hotel? A chicken hotel. That is hilarious. I hope you took pictures of that. Yeah, we got loads of pictures of the chicken hotel. It was, uh, that was, a that was definitely a big highlight. And I guess it kind of, you know, it all sort of fell into place. And after a few months, it just sort of felt that, you know, what an experience to have, to have done that and, and, and be there and, you know, working outdoors, you know, five, six hours a day and, you know, spending time in the evening around the campfire and playing guitar and, and all that kind of stuff. It was, you know, in reality, an extremely lucky and fortuitous experience for me but you know also to be able to spend so much time outside um, and walk around and kind of explore and not not have the you know having to stay indoors because of the the nature of the place where it was you know they had this land and you know we could we could explore and, and be outside and yeah I was very grateful to have that time outdoors and you know there's nothing that nothing that I enjoy more than being outside so um, yeah I was really happy to be able to do that especially when you know so many other people unfortunately were were inside for so long. Mm -hmm. I coined this phrase that I use with my family and my children regularly, which is that there are blessings that happened in the pandemic. So we call them pandemic blessings. And so for you, that was a pandemic blessing. And there there are those, I know it's been challenging for a lot of people, but there are these, these little stories and experiences that we've had that you can always find there's a little blessing somewhere in there. And so I love it. I, it's like a big pandemic blessing for you, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, it opens people open people up to kindness in a, in, a, in a different way again you know and you see you see kindness much more it becomes much more important when when things are restricted so much more mm -hmm. and that was the reason why I ended up in that place it was all down to a chance meeting I mean it was warm showers it was Fatima it was uh, you know meeting the right people yeah. at the right time but it's also I, I do think and I think this wholeheartedly that 
you know, when you go on an adventure of any kind, you never really know what's going to happen. And, you know, ultimately the kind of reward that you get for stepping out your front door and, and, and taking a chance and, you know, leaving your job and, and going off into the unknown is, is, is always going to, you're always going to end up on your feet, um, probably down to the, to the people you meet on the road. So I think that's one of the things that, you know, you've got to take away from, from these kinds of experiences that, that things always kind of turn out, turn out well in the end. And how they're meant to. And how they're meant to. So hopefully, um, you know, now I'm, I'm back in the UK. I mean, I spent some time, quite a lot of time in Europe, obviously, obviously last year and a lot longer than intended. And, and now hopefully uh, this year, hopefully we can finally run the, the 10th Team Town End Challenge. Um, you know, that's, that's what we want to try and do this year. And, and whether it's possible or not, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, we've got plans in the pipeline, but, um, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to do this year. And that's what me going on this trip last year was all about and you know we're desperate to, to to get the show on the road and hold some kind of event this year whether or not we can do it in the, in the full capacity or not but um you know i mean it's it's such an important event for not just me for for yeah. our friends and family and and, and as i yeah. say the wider community it's, it's a brilliant thing to do and hopefully we can do it this year so tell us though, did you did you cycle the rest of your, your uh, yeah, trip, sorry, or did you come that. home? Yeah, <laughs> sorry, uh, yeah, you got to tell us. Like skip, you, we left you four huge... months in Spain, right? Then what happened? <laughs> yeah, sorry, I missed like the whole bit. Yeah, so I set off with a new challenge just to not um, not to get to Romania. Unfortunately, I just wouldn't have had the time and and, and the funds. Um, but I, I set off with a new idea to get to to Munich in Germany. So I, I I did manage that. I cycled through the Basque Country and across across uh, much more. I spent a lot more time in France, which is brilliant um and kept on kind of trying to find mountains along the way and then dipped down back down into switzerland um into austria um into germany and then back to austria and back into germany again so i spent some more time in the alps um in the mountains so it was a yeah it was a brilliant trip as i say it wasn't what i set out to do i didn't expect to spend more than a week in france originally if i'd managed to keep to my original schedule i wouldn't have expected to spend more than a week in spain but you know that's how, how things go and that that part of the trip was brilliant in the end it was some you know fantastic cycling i was obviously doing it in the in the height of summer as well so it was very very warm but uh it was, yeah. it was brilliant it was really good fun so how long in total did you end up being gone oh, uh well i left in the start i left at the very start of march i think it was the first of march i left and i ended up getting back to the uk in um in december <laughs> Wow. Uh, so and you I'd were intended gone a long to, yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, I was working in Germany for a couple of months and, and, and seeing some people in Germany um, and things like this. But um, but yeah, it was obviously a lot longer than, than I'd intended. And, you know, that was down to the situation that happened last year. And, yeah. you know, in a way, I think I was quite fortunate <laughs> to be on a big adventure. <laughs> Mm-hmm, definitely. So we would love to put a link in the show notes to the event um, in case you are able to have it again this year. So um, I'm sure you guys have either a website or a Facebook page yeah, that people can visit if they're in the area and they want to participate. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll put, we'll put all of those links in the uh, in the below so people can find all of that and, and absolutely get involved. And and if they can't get involved and they're just a big fan of cycling, then you know we're very grateful for any kind of support um, for for the charity that we we raise money for, um, which you know helps helps uh, reduce the impact of of traumatic events on families of, of people who've been killed in, in road traffic accidents. Yeah, what a beautiful cause. And and thank you for sharing your story. I know it's vulnerable to share um, this type of loss, but it has fueled so much of who you are that we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. 
Well, thank you so much, Harry. This has been great. And for those of you that are listening, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts or actually any of your favorite listening app, please make sure to leave us a rating and review because it does help us get in front of more people, which is part of our goal is to continue to build our community. And thank you for listening. And we will be back. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.